2: to solo ship week seven i am squirrel patrol i'm joined by jm to win from one week season jam i almost sent you like a dm uh, on sunday because i was doing really well in the slant i was like fifth place or seventh place and i it was with my dolphin stack and i looked to see like how far i am behind first place and it was you
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i saw I, I saw you had a couple rosters up there near, near the top it was like uh, me another OWS pennant. You another OWS pennant. I think like another one of yours. Is like all kind of peppered across there toward the top.
2: Yeah, didn't the funny thing is, it ended up not being a great week for me. I, I I lost a little bit of money, and it was an interesting DFS lesson because I had Raheem Mostert as my highest owned running back after talking up the Dolphins uh, all week. Uh, at I had him at twenty five percent. And he was like, 57% <laughs> And uh, I think, I think you like, exceeded 50% ownership in the Million Maker uh, and in, in, in you know, single-entry contests. So I actually had half the field of the guy that I was, you know, uh, one of the guys that I was talking up all throughout the week. I think a lot of that just came from, I didn't really adjust once uh, Jeff Wilson was announced out. I just said, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to play Jeff Wilson. And I just, I, I really underestimated how popular Mostert would be. Uh, but you know it ended up being the right call and then the the maker winner ended up being a, a you know excellent call with uh, Desmond Ritter was a, it was a Falcon stack which i think you you discussed last week was one of your uh, hot takes or yeah
3: you know, yeah it was um we actually had it was it was my building block on my show with Pete Overzet, and he actually the millimaker maker is uh uses OWS as part of his process so uh that was cool to see and we had um you know i i don't i really don't like it when a bunch of people win because of like a a stack or play that I mentioned because the obviously the real idea behind what we do is to train people to be great DFS players. So like last year week two, when Baltimore and Miami went off and we hadn't really talked about that game, but we had a bunch of subs have a big weekend because they'd taken all the DFS training and how to build great rosters. And they'd been like, "Oh, here's, they'd identified like, here's a game that could pop off." Like that's more gratifying than uh, a bunch of people having a big weekend because the Desmond Ritter stack hit. But, um, but at the same time, yeah, it was a, it was a, another big week for OWS because again, uh, I was high on that Ritter stack. Uh, thought that you were gonna be thought you were gonna be on it when I came on the show, but um, but yeah, I was high on that stack and it ended up working out um, nicely last week. So roll forward, try to keep it rolling for a really weird looking week this week. And I'm excited to I'm excited for this show to end because by the time this show ends, I always have a couple new nuggets of like thoughts from chatting with you. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that this week.
2: I was gonna say, maybe we should just call it like a wrap on the show because it looks like nobody's gonna score any points, so we might yep, as well go. go home. <laughs> That's all I'm hearing all this this week is that you know the, the totals are so low. It's true; the totals are very low this week, uh, and you know the totals have kind of been drifting down throughout the season. But you know, somebody's still got to win these contests, uh, yep, even if you are winning with a handful of points. Uh, you know, somebody's still going to take down first place, and actually. I do think it's, this is a pretty interesting week. I'm looking forward to this week, maybe more than I have even some of the previous weeks, just because I think there are some games that if you played them a thousand times, they're going to probably hit, you know, right around that average point total of like 37, 38, which would have been some of the lowest point totals we've been dealing with in seasons past, but that there's a really wide range of outcomes. Um, In fact, like the range of outcomes is so wide. when We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be in a, in a, Larger number of games than I can can remember uh, going back a few seasons.
3: Yeah. Yeah. At least the Browns, the Giants, the Raiders. Um, and then, you know, Tyson Badgen a total unknown. So, yeah, no, this is actually it's one of my favorite weeks of the season. I think it, there's um, it speaks to the benefit of not putting labels on things where you uh, people tend to. Oh, this slate's bad. This slate's good. But instead, you know, try to just have that mindset of you open a slate. And you see, what does this week's puzzle look like? And then you go through your typical steps to solve that puzzle. So uh, yeah, I actually, I like this week and primarily because it is a more challenging puzzle than normal. And so that tends to trip up huge chunks of the field. And one of the things I always say is the chalk forms no matter what. And then a piggyback off of that is weeks where there's no clear chalk. So I was saying what, what I was saying earlier today is, like there aren't plays that are head and shoulders above other plays. And there's like maybe a couple, but like by and large, there aren't plays that are head and shoulders. There's like plays that are like forehead and hair above some other plays. And yet chalk forms no matter what. So like everybody congregates on those plays. And then what happens if those plays don't hit, you know, like there's other plays that are really just as good, but going to be way lower owned. So uh, yeah, I'm excited about, I'm excited about this week. Like if, um if the chalkiest pieces and like take out Cooper cup, say all the other chalk, if the chalkiest pieces hit, I'll probably finish down a little bit of money because I'll have exposure to all of them, but like I'll be underweight the field because they're not as good as the field's ownership is going to say. But if just a few of those spots miss, then I'll, I'm probably making money this week because I'm going to have like who are all the other sharp plays and, and just end up being on much lower owned plays.
2: That describes my whole DFS philosophy, I think, in all sports. It's basically that I'm, I'm playing some of the chalk. Uh, usually at a little bit of a lower rate than the field. Uh, and then I'm using that to get overweight in in other places. And I I think that's actually helped my whole like DFS career because I'm I've realized over the years of playing DFS that what's really made me a lot of money is staying in the game so long. And that comes from minimizing like the downward slope on downstreaks rather than because the the. Up, you know, the, the millimaker maker win will come eventually, right? If I can stay in the game long enough, and that means flattening out the downstreaks almost more than, like, consistently. Like, it's it's really tough to consistently win because when you're playing GPPs, because you're waiting for that big spike upwards. So, like, minimizing that, like, downward slope while you're waiting for that GPP win um, can actually make you a ton of money, I think. Um, so I think that's just a good DFS philosophy in general. It's just... yeah.
3: So yeah, that's a really sharp way to put that. And I think that's something I've gotten really good at over the last few years in particular is minimizing the, you know, break even, win a couple thousand, lose a couple thousand most weeks, you know, so that then the the bigger weeks can really make a, a a big difference as opposed to just making up for um, the losses. You know, 50% of your win goes to making up for the losses and then, you know, you have another streak like that. So, um, yeah, and, and for me, you know, like I had, Raheem Mostert last week. And it wasn't because I was like, oh, I want to be way overweight the field. It's just like, I even look like ownership is not a big part of my process. So for me, it's like, I feel like I know the NFL well enough that I want to allocate my ownerships based on what I feel the likeliest outcomes are. You know, so it's like last week, the way Mostert stacked up against the rest of the slate, it's like, okay, well, he's going to be this r- rare 80% owned guy for me. I had no idea he was going to be 50 plus percent owned obviously. Um, but then this week it's, it's not like oh, I'm trying to be underweight on this guy, which again, every DFS player has a different process, but just my process. And I think this a lot of listeners and viewers hear so many people talking about like d- making all the strategy moves that they can also, it's valuable to hear somebody who kind of approaches it like me. Cause it's maybe makes more sense to some people of like, I'm not trying to be underweight on so-and-so for the most part, right? It's more like, oh, this is a good play. And he's a good play at like 12% of my pool, right? And so maybe he's 35% owned. And it's like, well, I didn't see him as a 35% of my pool type player. So I'm just naturally underweight, but he's still a good play. So I have some of him, And that leads to, you know, I had 14% Rashid Shaheed last week. He was four, or he was 2% owned, right? So I'm like way overweight the field, but not because I'm trying to be way overweight the field. I'm just saying, he belongs in about 14% of my roster. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that approach can help a lot too because you're going to have exposure to everybody who can hit, but you know, the the chalk pieces that miss, you're probably most of the time going to be underweight them because they're not as good as the ownership says, especially on a week like this.
2: Yeah. The the term I've used in a couple of my like, written content pieces this week is when ownership inevitably consolidates or when ownership inevitably concentrates, right? Because it is going to inevitably concentrate on on a couple of different players. And and sometimes maybe those are explosive players like, you know, Raheem Mostert that's in a great spot, high-scoring offense in the in the NFL. Like Sometimes it's going to be, like, maybe Zach Evans, um, and we don't even know if he's going to touch, touch the ball. So maybe, like, start there in terms of, like, this week specifically that, uh, you know, the Rams are down their top two running backs, top I don't know how you can't count uh, Cam Akers there. But, um, you know, Kyron Williams is out Um Ronnie Rivers is out, and so it looked like it was going to be Zach Evans. And I, it's always interesting when you have this guy that's like the number one Weaver Wire pickup in in season long. Um, you know, like how what is his ownership going to look like when he's four thousand on DraftKings? Uh, and I think that might be someplace we see his ownership might not end up being that high. Because I think a lot of people are saying, well, "Like we have no idea how the situation is going to turn out."
3: Right, which in those situations that's the time to me that I'll end up being overweight the guy, you know, because if everybody is, is like, Oh, this guy is in in the back of my mind. I'm like, we really don't know how the situation is going to play out. Uh, And we really don't like Zach Evans said two days ago that he still doesn't know, like, you know, how the usage is going to break down. Uh, I would, I would think it's likeliest that we see, you know, like, Sean McVay's going to want to run his offense. He's going to want, he's not like, he's going to be like, all right, and this guy gets a turn and this guy gets a turn. He's going to be probably two guys and one guy who's primarily working in on passing down. So I would think it'll start out with, you know, Zach Evans as the early down back and uh, Darrell Henderson coming in on passing downs. He's trusted in pass protection, but, um, but we also don't know, right. Maybe Zach Evans messes up early and, you know, things go awry and he doesn't get to play more. He's also talked about, you know, going up against Aaron Donald every day and, in practice for pass protection and stuff. And he feels he's really comfortable with that side of things. So maybe he looks really good and gets a lot more of the touches. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting spot because typically I would say, well, I mean, shoot, you've got Jerome Ford for 1100 more and you've got like uh, Isaiah Pacheco for a little bit more. And, you know, there's other places you can go. But then this Rams backfield has been so productive from a touchdown scoring standpoint that you also don't want to miss out if there's the 20 point or so. Uh, my angle on this is every time the Rams backfield has had a good game this year, the Rams wide receiver one has had a good game. Every time the Rams backfield is disappointed, the Rams wide receiver one is disappointed because uh, it's a concentrated offense. Touchdowns are important from the Rams backfield. Uh, this is not a team that just picks up 60 yard gains at a time. So it's like, you got to get the catches and yards to the wide receiver one to move the ball, get them down close to the end zone, running back against touchdown. So um, while most of my Zach Evans rosters, probably all of my Zach Evans rosters We'll have Cooper Cup or like some of them Puka Nakua, but um, that's the way I'll end up playing the spot.
2: Interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about the idea that the Rams' offense isn't like a chunk yardage gains offense, and so that maybe makes the running back and wide receiver a little bit more correlated than you would see in an offense where maybe if the guys, you know, like a Dolphins' offense, uh, right, you know, right? where right. if they're going eighty yards for a touchdown, like something that they're giving the ball back to the other team rather than to the wide receiver, or in the, you know in the red zone. Uh, that's, that's an interesting, like maybe differentiation between some different offenses. Uh, you mentioned Jerome Ford, uh, you know, and I'm actually, that's one of the games I'm higher on this week, which is kind of a, a strange situation. Yeah. Cleveland, uh, Indianapolis, but we do have some weather concerns and it's really wind more than rain, but that can, wind can actually have a, a higher impact than even like precipitation or, or temperature sometimes. Uh, like, you know, there's a downward slope on this graph, you know, of of the wind speed for, you know, the peak wind speed versus scoring in, in NFL games. Um, but this game is being played indoors. I don't have a huge amount of inter- interest in the Colts offense, um, you know, could get there, you know, Jonathan Taylor could get a bigger workload this week. I uh, just don't want to pick on the Browns defense in general, uh, but you know, the in- indoor environment helps. And then the Browns, I think, actually have, you know, kind of a mid or upper, implied point total this week it's only like 21.75 or something but it's uh it's actually on the higher end this week and we don't know who the quarterback is going to be but all the other pieces like seem to fit together pretty well like amari cooper jerome ford uh even elijah moore they're all pretty attractively priced i saw the fist pump so is that a game that you're high on or
3: yeah i mean i really like uh, speaking of um uh, there's two of these wide receiver running back pairings i like you know, Jerome Ford and throughout week one, cause Nick Chubb was healthy the whole game. Um, the three games that Deshaun Watson played uh, Ford and Cooper playing them together would have kept you on a, a 200 point pace. And because like, if they were both going to be like high owned, then you're, you're like, well, you, you know, you want to kind of pick one or the other, but um, I don't think that there will be prohibitive ownership on either guy. So just playing them together and taking that block of points is really interesting. And I really like Deshaun Watson, if he plays, which uh, report today was he took all the first team reps. And in a, in a spot where, in a spot where Geno Smith is like looking like he's going to be the most popular quarterback in this price range. Well, the thing with Gino is if you're building a roster and you're thinking like safe minded, you're thinking conservative minded, you're like, Gino's not going to miss like, he's not going to bomb and he probably gets you 17 to 21, 22, 23 points, right? But if you're thinking tournament winner, well, if there's any quarterback down here that scores like 27, 28, 30, and Gino scores 20, like somebody's going to have that quarterback and they're now you're chasing them, right? So you want to be the person that everybody else is chasing. So I'd rather take swings on, like, I'm going to have some Gino, but I'd rather take swings on other spots and be wrong to try to find the guy who outperforms the, the chalkier guy. So, uh, yeah, I think that Deshaun Watson, in terms of who in this range could just have a big game and people won't be on him, he's, you know, got the shoulder thing and people are going to be like, well, I don't know if he's fully healthy and um, all the negativity around that situation. That Yeah, I, I think he's super interesting. I think this offense is super interesting.
2: Um, another game you you, know, you just mentioned, the Seattle I think they're going to end up being one of the uh, chalkier you know, teams this week. I think people are going to be playing a lot of Geno Smith. Um, Kenneth Walker, is a, I, I described him earlier today as like the Blake Snell of NFL, that I, I want to be over the field if he's low-owned. I want to be under the field if he's going to be high-owned. I think he's going to be high-owned this week. Um, maybe not depending on how the, the value at, at running back shakes out. Um, in general, you know, the Seattle-Arizona game is that a game I think that's got the highest point total – uh, or maybe I uh, a second after the Kansas city chargers game, uh, you know, are you thinking you're going to be like, I guess overweight or I guess, what are your, what are your t- thoughts on the Seattle offense and, and the Arizona run backs?
3: Yeah. Seattle's, I mean, Walker is the perfect example of like the guy who I'm going to be underweight the field, not because I'm strategically trying to be, but just because I'm like, Oh, he belongs on 12% of my rosters or something. And then he ends up being 30 or higher percent owned. you know, we're, uh a full season and a third into his career and he's cracked 20 DraftKings points three times. Um and the week, one of the weeks when he scored 30 plus, it was like a week when everybody was on him. So it really stuck in everyone's minds. And he's this player that everyone kept ch- He had 30 points and then like a down game and then 30 points. And like a three week span he had a couple 30 pointers last year. And that second one was one that everyone was on and he had like a huge run at the end of the game, if I remember correctly, that like boost him from a solid score up to like that, that 30 point score. So then and I think it was probably a late game too. So it made like everyone really pay attention to Kenneth Walker. If you had him, then you won when that happened. If you, or you like jumped up your payout when that happened, if you didn't have him, you got burned by that happening. So like, psychologically, everyone has been paying attention to Kenneth Walker ever since then. And the perception of him is like, this guy can go for 30 points and he can, but he's just, he's going to do a lot less often than everybody thinks. Um, so I think he's interesting. I think that he's a sharp play given what's available on this slate not as sharp as ownership will say. And then I've had, you know, a long, long, long standing rule of only play the Seattle passing attack. If you're betting on the game environment, because the way that Pete Carroll manages games, the way that he tries to win games uh, is like every tournament winning game that you see from Seattle quarterbacks comes in like these 37 to 31 types of games where both teams are scoring. Um, There's been like one or two tournament winners from a Seattle wideout that didn't come in like a high-scoring game environment, so it can happen. But like these guys grab higher ownership than they ever should, uh, like from independent one-off plays. So, um, so yeah, like obviously, there's the outlier chance that a Seattle pass game piece hits for a big game. You don't have them as a one-off uh, and get burned, but that's like such a rare occurrence over a massive sample size that I'm never super concerned about. It. I'm always aware it's sort of an outlier scenario. But um, so yeah, I'll have some Seattle passing attack with Arizona bringbacks. Um, I'll have some Seattle pass game pieces on a small number of Dobbs rosters, but it's not like a game that uh, that's, that I'm going to have at the same rate as the field, I guess I'll say.
2: Yeah. You you bring up an interesting point that sometimes a guy just goes for this outlier game and it just sticks in everybody's memories for, for a while. And speaking of remembering things, More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Uh so I've it's starting to make me think throughout the day, I wonder if we're all overlooking something, you know, because I a team I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this week is the Chiefs. Um, which is surprising to me. And and I, you know, when I took my initial look at the slate, I was kind of thinking the Chiefs offense uh isn't as explosive this year. There don't seem to be you know, like I mean, I guess, you know, it's been a year since Tyreek Hill just doesn't seem like it's that offense that we remember. I remember more vividly Pat Mahomes sliding instead of, you know, running in for a touchdown. Right. Um, and they're not putting up these, these huge point totals. Mahomes is not putting up these huge point totals. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey is still very appealing as a, as a tight end, uh, but the offense seems to start. And, and as a, a dating so-
3: option, too, apparently.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe Isaiah Pacheco is kind of taking over in the backfield, it looks like. But it's like, I, I can just play Pacheco or Kelsey, and I don't need to spend up for these Chiefs. They have by far the highest implied point total. Um, Like, you know, they're playing at home. It's got the highest uh, – game has the highest point total of the week. Like, maybe we should just be taking the safety of playing Mahomes, you know, receiver Rice and, a, and a Travis Kelsey game stack.
3: Yeah, I mean – the safety of Rasheed Rice, he still played 50% of the snaps last week. You know, so it's like, we can kind of look at the targets and it's like, oh, this guy's role keeps ascending. What what I was looking at was like, he's 4,700. He played like 50% of the snaps. And then Drake London is like a true alpha and he's 5,100. You know, it's just like, it's kind of weird pricing on him. Um, You know, Hollywood Brown, is Hollywood Brown's catching like 54% of his targets, but he's still, he's seeing like double digit targets every single game. So no, I'm not, I'm not, against that spot and i think you know everything you said is true they're not the same offense um but also like can't they come around right like their biggest issue has been the red zone and that's a like it's a matter of time before that gets solved and then when that does get solved the touchdowns get added to one of these guys you know who i think is really interesting in that game is McCole hardman who who's going to be on McCole hardman he's 3200 and they brought him back because they're like hey like this offense is not working let's like I'll say it like this. If you're Andy Reid, isn't there a chance that on like the first two drives, you scheme up like four touches for McCole Hardman just to like see if that gets the offense going and get his feet wet. Not to say that he's going to get 10 touches throughout the game, but I just think that that's an interesting piece um, to consider this week. But yeah, no, that, that offense is the Chargers are going to try to force him to march the field. Uh, Mahomes said this last week that the, Chiefs are seeing more and deeper, too deep coverage than they've ever seen before, and so that speaks to what the like what the what the Chiefs are facing and why they're not explosive downfield. Right? Um, I don't think that changes against the Chargers. They're going to say, "All right, go ahead and march the field." At the same time, the like the Isaiah Pacheco, he's going to be overowned relative to. Where he should be, but he's still like a really sharp play this week. Like I'll have, I'll have more Pacheco than I will of some of the other high owned guys because um, the way that you beat two deep safeties is you run the defense out of it. That is the single best way to beat two deep safeties. You run the ball so well that you force defenders to come down in the box. We've seen Kansas City this year saying, okay, like we understand this is what you got to do to two deep safeties. So let's develop our run game. So um, yeah, I think that's an interesting spot on um, Pacheco. I think that Mahomes plus Kelsey is interesting, and I'll, I'll have some. Mahomes plus a wide receiver shot, But even last year it was like maybe three games from Juju, two games from McCall Hardman. Um, that was what you got right. And the rest of the year it was like, well, it wasn't worth rostering these guys at their price tags. So uh, yeah, I think it's interesting, but it's still like you're closing your eyes and throwing darts in a sense. And, and I think there's more certainty available on this slate than that. So yeah, that'll be kind of my, my dart piece on a roster as opposed to like my starting point that I really love.
2: Yeah, I I had to go check my phone to see if Hardman's in the player pool, uh, and I think he is on <laughs> DraftKings. <laughs> he had 3,200 on DraftKings. Uh, I don't think he is on on Fanduel yet. I think like sometimes they add guys yeah, as, as as the week goes on. Uh, so I, th- yeah, it's an interesting call. He'll probably you know be added to my to my large field uh, player pool. Um, so one game and one more like kind of low point total game that I'm interested in being over the field on uh, the Commanders and, and Giants. Uh, I was in hoping particular, you Saquon Barkley, I think, um, although I'll have some passing game from the Giants as well, uh, just probably more interested in Saquon. Just I think he'll you know, maybe see more workload. And, you know, being one more week back from injury, I also think people will overlook him as they go to value at running back or, um, you some of the, the guys that will gain steam throughout the week at, at the running back position. Uh, did I hit on another game that you're high on?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, and I like the uh, Washington side of that game quite a bit as well.
2: Okay, um, it's it's an interesting game. I think it's one of those games. It wouldn't shock me if both teams score in single digits, um, but it's you know wide range of outcomes because I think the the offenses are both having some issues. Like, but you know, it's, it's like sacks and turnovers, and that can give the, the ball back to the other team. You know, with a, a short field, uh, yeah, so that kind of makes me interested in Saquon. Um, and then, the, but the defenses aren't aren't necessarily that great, right? Like the defenses. Like the offenses can give up like, you know, the sacks and, and turnovers, um, but the defenses aren't, aren't so good that they're going to prevent the other team from scoring. Uh So yeah, I, I think we could see a, a high point total as well. I yeah, would probably be interested in like Terry McLaurin, maybe Curtis Samuel from the Washington side, maybe Logan Thomas, if he's healthy. Uh, and, and, but then you're know, running it back probably with Saquon.
3: Yeah. Saquon's interesting. Cause I usually avoid him. You know, he has, Uh, His first game with Brian Dable, he had 36 points. He has like one other game above like 24. And that was the 27 pointer this year, 26 pointer this year. Like at the same time, if Jacob scores 17 and Walker scores 17 um, and Pacheco scores 17, you know, for a lower price tag, like all of a sudden Saquon scoring 26 actually becomes pretty valuable. So given the state of the slate, uh, that is actually pretty interesting Um, I'll also toss your way Sam Howell the um, I think there's a misperception of this Washington offense like people still think of it as the the Scott Turner um, you know do what Ron Rivera wants you to do and run the ball and we're going to be conservative and run the ball and play defense Uh, this team ranks second in the NFL in pass rate over expectation Sam Howell through six games has 1500 passing yards he's got nine passing touchdowns uh, and literally like Every every podcast you listen to, everything you watch of like people who are plugged into the NFL and like watch all the games and understand all the teams, like you keep hearing, oh wow, Washington might have actually found their quarterback of the future. Um, you hear it from inside the building, you hear it from outside the building. Uh, Sam Howell, like he he holds onto the ball too long, waiting to make the big play. He doesn't have like good pocket presence, and that's why he's taken so many sacks. But he's also looking to make the big play. Right. And then he's able to do it pretty consistently. So, um, Sam Howell, you know, one game, one dud this year, every other game, 17.2, this is DraftKings story, 17.2, 21.3, 19.6, 29.4, 18.3. So, uh, yeah, he's really interesting to me this week, stacked up with McLaurin or with Curtis Samuel. Um, and then yeah, have that, have that bring back of one of those cheap giants, wide receivers, or even Saquon Barkley.
2: So you've, you've touched on the commander's of offense and McCall Hardman. Um, it almost you know, seems sort of superfluous, but like hot takes. Um, anything <laughs> in particular. <laughs> uh,
3: what was last week? Last week's was pretty good. Last week was uh, we'll be paying 6,700 for Adam Thielen and, and be happy about it. Uh, he posted another monster game at 5,900 last week. Um, I'll go ahead and say that uh, Deshaun Watson's highest scoring quarterback at 6,500 or below on on DraftKings.
2: Okay, I've got something tangential. Mine is, uh, I think, Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper combined for uh, 30 catches and uh, 20 catches and 300 yards.
3: I like Um, it. I like it. So, um, uh,
2: you know, a little bit of a uh, squeaky wheel narrative with Devontae Adams. Yeah. And that's another situation where we don't know the quarterback, um, but I'm interested in the offense. (laughs) Along with the Giants, uh, maybe Chicago. Uh, But actually that game, the the Raiders-Chicago game is a game – that uh you know it, it's got a really low point total but again another really like, wide range of outcomes because we could have quarterbacks that turn the ball over we could have quarterbacks throw for 300 yards as well um and i think people will be completely off that game but it it could end up being you know one of the higher scoring games of the week even if it just hits you know 45 50 points
3: yeah one thing tyson badgent doesn't lack is confidence so you always like that from a a guy who's going to make the jump from division two to his, starting in the NFL, uh, is a guy who's going to be confident, like pull the trigger, um, which, you know, who's going to play DJ more, you know, like that becomes interesting. But, uh, last time Aiden O'Connell started, he just leaned on Devontae Adams makes a lot of sense. You're a rookie throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Uh, I could see that this week if it's Brian Hoyer, like, I don't want to overthink it. Right. Um, Devontae Adams becomes a little less attractive to me, but then at the same time, there's so much that we don't know that I don't want to just overthink, like, oh, well, now I'm not playing Devontae Adams because Hoyer. But yeah, like the idea, I thought about this, like, who's playing Cup plus Devontae Adams, you know? And then on like Amari, Amari's one of my favorite, uh, you know, fundamentally, he's one of the most underpriced wide receivers on the slate. Um, and then the uncertainty with the quarterback situation and um, people don't seem to like that. They weren't playing Amari last year either, but, uh, uh, like you throw Amari in there, he's, he's low owned, he's capable of going for 30 points and you get all of a sudden cup Devante that people aren't playing together and you get another 30 from Amari and you're so far ahead of the field on a week where there might not be a lot of 30 pointers. So yeah, there's some fun stuff that we can play around with in terms of, uh, what the slate provides, where everybody else is going, you know, based on like, Hey, this slate's ugly. So let's all just congregate on the same spots. um, And we can be like, cool. There's other spots that you guys are not on that, that also have ceiling and provides like some really clear pathways around the field toward those top finishes.
2: Yeah. Uh, And then one, one more game, I think I should mention, you know, Lamar Jackson and and Detroit, I think Jackson's going to see a lot of ownership. I think Zay Flowers is going to see a lot of ownership. I've seen Mark Andrews listed as like the highest owned tight end. Uh, And then I think, on the Detroit side, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to see a lot of ownership. It seems to be that he's going to be playing, um, you know, they already mentioned some kind of like Friday coach speak about he's going to see full workload or something like that. Uh, is this a game that, you know, you have any particular thoughts on? Like you definitely want to be over the field, under the field, because I think it is probably going to end up being the highest owned game of the week, at least on being. We, we
3: bowl, definitely but... want to play high owned running backs against Baltimore, right? I mean, the Ravens have proven to us that if there's one thing we want to do uh, no, all joking aside, the like Gibbs is interesting, right? He's not going to get, let's say Craig Reynolds is also active. Um, these reports, like the typed out reports are always different from the way the press conferences sound, you know, right. like I haven't listened to the Dan Campbell press conference, but him saying he's going to get the bulk of the carries typically you're asked a question and then you just answer it off the top of your head. And you say, yeah, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, right? That doesn't mean he's going to get hundred percent of the work or he's, he played 60% of the snaps last time that David Montgomery was out and he and Craig Reynolds were healthy. So I would expect something in that range. And I would expect that Craig Reynolds gets the touches close to the goal line. Um, so, you know, Gibbs has got to, got to really have like a big pass game role or break off some long plays. Uh, I'll have a little, little bit of them, but probably be well underweight in the field. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I, I built, I was building a practice build last night and it was the first one that I, when I finished it, I was like, oh, I really like this roster. I'm going to put it into some of my reserved contests. And it was a Lamar Jackson roster, but I thought that it was like, I thought I was being sneaky with it. And then kind of looked at ownership for the first time this morning. And I was like, really? Everyone's on Lamar Jackson. such so a weird spot where all season, people have not been playing Lamar Jackson. All season, people have not been playing quarterbacks against this Detroit defense. And then it's kind of like a week without a lot on the slate. So people are all like, hey, let's all play, Mar- let's all play a quarterback against Detroit together and all play Lamar Jackson together. So um, no, I like, I think Lamar Jackson's from a ceiling standpoint on this slate, like he becomes very interesting, but he's like, should he be one of the highest owned quarterbacks? No, but will I have some Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Um, could he be on, on some of my single entry builds? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I see that spot.
2: Okay. Right. So I'm uh, just about out of time. Any, any final thoughts on the week?
3: I didn't know that my Sam Howell stuff and, and whoever else was hot takes, but uh, I like, like that. <laughs>
2: Hardman's not even in
3: the, the FanDuel player. Hard, Hardman's, uh, uh, Hardman's, that was a hot take. Uh, no, that was how I felt last week with Ritter. Like I came onto my Friday shows and everyone was like, Desmond Ritter. And it was like, oh, I didn't know that this is how we would be reacting to this play. So I like spots like that because it's like maybe I'm wrong. But if I'm right, you know, then I'm I'm all the way right because other people aren't looking at it. So, uh, no, yeah, I, I like this week a lot. Um, final, take, final thoughts is if you're watching and listening – take take the labels off. Don't don't head into this week being like, oh, this slate's ugly because what that leads to you doing is being like, if you tell yourself you can't see the slate and you just end up on the same place as everybody else. So recognize that this slate has like, like I said, spots that are like forehead and hair above other spots, which means that that gives a lot of opportunity to play around with, with different high upside spots, which I think that this show probably helped you find some of those um, for sure. So yeah, that's my thoughts.
2: Yeah, I'll just add, I think it's it's an interesting week for single entry to really get different. Like a lot of times in single entry, I'm saying, well, it's, it's a good week to go with, you know, the chocolate plays and one, one difference. I think this is a good week to maybe really get off the board in single entry, you know, even in single entry. Um, Because I think like, you know, ownership will inevitably concentrate in a couple of different places. And we really have no idea this week, you know, only 10 games on the slate, only 20 teams and there's low point totals across the board uh, and so we really don't know what's going to hit, but something will. Like So don't be afraid to get different this week. Uh, that'll do it for week seven of Solar Ship. We'll see you guys next week.